Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Juba, helping you find happiness and joy on your homesteading journey. Today is Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Episode number 31 is today, and we're going to be talking about water bath canning. I know I always kind of pause here in the beginning and give a little bit of information in case something crazy happens. So I am inside with my headset, which is awesome, but I did give Harley, I guess I made a mistake here, (laughs) a bully stick to eat by herself, and both the cats think that it is, oh gosh, as I'm, things are falling, both the cats think it's their bully stick, so they keep trying to uh, help Harley, And Harley loves her kitties, but she draws the line at trying to share her special treat with them. So I had to like lock both the cats in a completely different room than the dog who's eating her chew. So hopefully nothing crazy happens where I have to pause the recording and then try to pick back up on the recording again. So we're hoping for the best here so Harley can eat it in peace while I'm recording an episode So water bath canning, I've done an episode kind of highlighting the difference between pressure canning and water bath canning. So today I may bring up one or two differences as we go along, but this is going to be primarily about water bath canning, how you can get started with water bath canning, things you can water bath can safely, and some brief, a brief guide as to how to do that. So water bath canning is kind of how it sounds. You use water to can food items at home. So the it is a lower temperature version of canning that you can do in your home. So water bath canning, you use boiling water. So it gets up to about 180 degrees, which is the temperature water boils at compared to pressure canning, which can get up to like 240 degrees. So that's a much higher temperature. Water bath canning is for your highly acidic foods. And we're going to kind of get into what those are as we go, but that's what I want you to keep in mind. Water bath, highly acidic. So how does water bath canning work? I know I mentioned water being a big proponent of it, Essentially, it's the right amount of time at the right temperature with your recipe. That is what actually kills any mold, yeast, things like botulism that are really not good for you. And it vacuum seals those lids down, keeping your food safe and preserved for a long period of time. When I say a long period, I have personally canned some stuff and eaten it like a year-ish later. A lot of times the ball mason jars, you can buy the lids and it says right on all of their packaging that the seal lasts up to 18 months. I am sure it probably lasts longer than that, but they can't guarantee it. So they don't put it on all their stuff. So if you go ahead and try some water bath canning, I don't want you to freak out and think you have to eat everything you're canning within two, three, four, five, six months, like maybe you should if you're putting things in the freezer. You don't necessarily want them in the freezer for a year or more because it'll probably wind up freezer burnt depending on what you are freezing. So, but my goal is when I can things, I don't want to can it and keep it for 20 years. I want to can it, put it on the shelf, and use it within a year is my goal. So I'm not going to can 
five batches of chickpeas at one time and wind up with 50 cans of chickpeas because I don't go through them that fast. They'll sit for a few years. So I may as well do one batch of chickpeas every six to eight months, maybe once a year if I'm really not using chickpeas a lot, depending on my recipes. So that's how I view how much canning I should do, how many of something should I can. It depends on how fast I get through it, but they do last. Sitting on the shelf, that's one of the benefits of canning your goods because it lasts longer than keeping it in the fridge or the freezer well or out at room temperature. So I mentioned before, highly acidic foods. So what is that? So water bath canning is great for fruits, jams, jellies. When I say fruits, I mean like preserves, things like that. So jams, jellies, salsa, tomatoes, pickles, sauces, vinegars, and condiments. I have personally canned up jams before and preserves. I've done tomatoes with water bath canning, diced tomatoes, and tomato sauce as well. The one thing I will mention about the tomatoes is you will need to add some lemon juice to whatever tomato product you're doing in your water bath canner to bring that acid level guaranteed up to where it needs to be. Most of the time your recipes will already have that in there about how much lemon juice to add. I don't want you to freak out and think that that's going to change the flavor of your diced tomatoes if you add a little bit of lemon juice because it does not. It still tastes like regular diced tomatoes. It doesn't change the flavor and make them lemony. Um, same thing when you're doing some jams or preserves that may call for some lemon juice. Do not be scared of the recipe and to put that in there. It's not going to taste lemony. It's going to help bring that acid level up to where it needs to be to make it safe to home can and prevent a lot of these yeasts and molds, things like botulism. Botulism, I mentioned on my previous canning episode, it can kill you. Botulism can make you really sick, really sick and possibly kill you, but that is not something you should be scared about and never can because you could get botulism. If you follow recipes that are, so I'm not just saying pick a random recipe off a random blog because I can't guarantee all of those are going to be proper recipes. But if you go with something like the ball mason jars, they put out recipe books. Their recipe books are for their cans and their canners and are based on science. So they will have the acid level, the right amount of time that you need. So I'm not promoting ball mason. I totally have other jars that are not made by them. I have other lids that are not made by them. Not everything I have is this ball mason jar brand, but it's one that I can recommend to get started with your canning so you can kind of learn what the recipes should look like before you all of a sudden start picking random blogs and hoping for the best. And maybe those blogs were not the best blogs to be following to start with. So go with a big name that you know in order to get their stuff published, they've got it all together. I'm sure they have some online. I personally have like recipe books printed that are up in my cookbook area that I can pull down and use as a reference if I need to. 
So following a recipe that is proven with science to work to prevent botulism, you will not get botulism from eating home canned foods and things that you make yourself. So do not let the fear stop you from doing it. This year, this year, I personally canned some tomato sauce, which I thought was awesome and pretty simple. I can't wait to can other sauces in the future. So I've done jellies and jams. I've done diced tomatoes, tomato sauce. But a sauce that I'm interested to try, and you guys might be interested as well. So I mentioned before in some previous episodes that I got some test results of foods that my body doesn't tolerate well, and one of them is tomatoes, which is super sad because tomatoes are really cool, and I just got into canning diced tomatoes and tomato sauce, but I didn't know, like, what's a good alternative for using tomato sauce on, like, spaghetti or on if you're making a lasagna or a ziti, things that are really tasty, a pizza, what do you use if not tomato sauce for some of that? And I've been doing for my like zucchini noodles, I'll use pesto, which is great, but not quite the same as a tomato sauce is. So I was doing some research, finding some recipes, and apparently you can make a tomato sauce alternative with beets and carrots instead. And I actually was able to find one at the store. It was expensive, don't get me wrong. That was beet and carrot based. And I did buy it, it was on sale, so it was a little cheaper. And it was so good. So that's something I'm looking forward to experimenting with as I'm growing more and more beets and carrots. I've got some planted right now. Is it enough to make a sauce and to make enough of a sauce to jar up and can up. I'm not sure. We'll see. But I look forward to trying some different recipes. And if I find a good one that's a good alternative to tomato sauce, I will totally share it. So everyone kind of, if you're interested in trying it, you can try it too. So I've already hit on using recipes. That is extremely important. I don't want you to think of canning is like cooking, where you can kind of freestyle and wing it. Now, do I think you could sort of freestyle and wing the preserves and the jams? I do. I think if you find a blueberry recipe, but you want it to be a blueberry strawberry recipe, as long as it's the same ratio, if they're calling for four cups of berries, one cup of sugar, some pectin, some lemon juice, as long as you're not affecting the ratios and it's still four cups of berries to four cups of berries that's in the recipe, I totally think you can substitute that. If you want to try a mixed berry or if they call for blueberries and strawberries, but you hate strawberries and want to put raspberries in there, I don't see where that's going to make a big difference. That's not going to give you botulism. What will cause some issues is if you start playing around with the cooking time, where if it says cook your jam for 10 minutes and you decide you only want to do it for five, then you're taking a risk that there might be some kind of mold or yeast or something in there that wasn't completely killed off or that it won't start growing after it's been on the shelf for a few years, for years, a few months. So I will say using recipes is important. You could freestyle a little, but not a ton. Think of canning like baking, 
where you want to follow that recipe to a T because with baking, a lot of times your ratios, especially for like baking powder, baking soda, yeast, things like that are designed to let it rise the right way. So I will also say what I like about water bath canning, it is what I consider like low tech equipment, basically. You can buy the canner itself, which is essentially a big pot with a lid, and it usually has a rack inside to place all your jars on. And the reason there's a rack, I will mention this because I did throw the rack away of my from my first canner. Or yeah, I'm pretty sure I threw it away because I didn't think I needed it. So what the rack does is it provides a little bit of space from the bottom, from the actual canner and your glass jars. And the reason you want that little bit of space is sometimes the actual canner, the big pot, will get really, really hot. And if that glass is touching the bottom, you run the risk of it shattering. So having that rack prevents a jar from shattering on you. So that canner, the big pot with the lid, with the rack itself from Walmart costs about 25 bucks. So that's really not much money at all compared to pressure canners. Pressure canners can be a little more. So you really need this canner for about 25 bucks, water to fill it, which water is not going to cost very much to fill it, a flat of jars, which I will say when I say a flat of jars, that can be pint jars, half pint jars, quart jars, whatever it is that you're using based on the recipe that you're making. Like I personally canned up this year a bunch of half pints of jam. So you could do half pints, whole pints. They do not have to be any kind of name brand. Usually at stores like Walmart, they'll have the ball mason jars, but they'll also have what I call like a knockoff brand, whether that's Anchor Hawking or I found a completely new random brand this year at Walmart. And it's usually a dollar or two cheaper to get the, what I call knockoff brand. They're not knockoff. They still come with the same thing, which is the jar itself, a lid that will seal a brand new lid and a ring as well. And that's really cool because then you don't have to buy for that round that you just bought, that flat of jars. You now don't have to buy new lids because they have all new lids. So I think that's really cool. If you don't want to spend the money on the jars, I have not bought jars in probably two or three years. I think the prices have gone up post-COVID as a lot of things have with supply chain issues. So I'm not going to give you a quote on how much it costs I, because to me, it depends on what size jar you're buying, half pint, pint, quart, I think it also depends on if you're going with the ball mason jar or a different brand. Are you shopping at Walmart or are you shopping at Tractor Supply? Are you shopping at Target? It, it all depends. I will say if you do like Target, they do price match. So if you know that the mason jars you want are cheaper at Walmart, but you really like shopping at Target, look it up beforehand and get yourself the better deal. On, from Target that way. You can do it even if you use self-checkout, just throwing that out there too. So something else you can do to find some jars if you don't want to pay store price because it can be pricey if you go from having zero jars to enough to maybe stock a pantry full. 
You can look at garage and estate sales for these jars. You can also talk to friends. There might be some friends that you have that either buy things in these jars or they were into canning or their grandma was into canning and isn't anymore. And so they've been holding on to them. So that might be a great way is to get some from friends and family or garage and estate sales can also be awesome. Facebook marketplace. You can find some that are really cheap or find some that are for free. That's all you have to do is go pick them up from wherever they are. I will say sometimes on Facebook marketplace, they price them per jar, which may sound like a good deal, but do your research, figure out price per jar that you could buy brand new at the store, because if they list it for a dollar a jar without a lid or a ring, may not be cheaper than what you could find at the store, depending on prices and what you're looking for at the same time, though. So don't get scammed is what I'm trying to say. Don't get scammed on Facebook Marketplace. I've seen some that were ridiculously overpriced on there. Depends on what you're looking for. So something I will say here is when I first got into canning, I kind of went a little crazy and bought a ton of jars, like a ton of jars, because I knew, like I could begin, I began with the end in mind. I could see what I wanted my pantry to look like, but I wasn't that avid of a canner to start with. So I just had all these empty jars everywhere. Um, not everywhere. They were in their appropriate like boxes stowed away somewhere. But what I started to do was convert everything in my pantry over to glass mason jars, which looks really beautiful. So when I say everything, I mean my all-purpose flour that I'm trying to do away with because I shouldn't be eating wheat, um, any rice, which I'm also doing away with because I shouldn't be eating that either, but my dried beans, my oats, lentils, things like that, I wound up putting in half gallon mason jars and stuff like nutritional yeast, things like that. I go ahead and put in smaller jars. So I found that I was using a lot of my pint and quart jars to store things in my pantry instead of actually canning them. And I was basically, I felt like I was running out of canning jars and I was going to have to buy more. And I kind of stopped and counted how many were in my pantry holding dried goods instead of being canned. So what I'm doing at the moment is I'm saving glass jars that I get from the store. So if I get little glass pasta jars, anything along those lines, uh, pasta sauce jars, sorry, you don't really buy pasta in jars, you buy the pasta sauce in the jars. So I've been saving those glass jars salsa jars, things like that. And that's what I'm going to store things like nutritional yeast in that I buy from the store um, in a bigger size. And I choose to bring my own container instead of buying nutritional yeast in a bunch of plastic. So this way it's freeing up my canning jars with the rings and the lids and I can continue to can more of what I love to have canned one of my favorite things to can, which is not water bath canned, is beans, but that's, I will say, for the pressure canning day. I have a lot of jars of beans that I have canned myself. 
So we are going to kind of wrap up this episode. This one may not be quite 30 minutes, but I've had to pause it like five or six times so I could stop and cough a bunch because the congestion's better, but the cough has settled in and it is not better, the cough. So I'm going to try to push through this. Maybe I won't have to pause it anymore to cough, but we will see. So canning, especially water bath canning, is easy to do and can be addicting once you get started. Now, I know I always knew that I wanted to get into canning. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was great from a preparedness standpoint. I thought it was great from a preparedness standpoint for a few reasons. Number one, because you have that skill. So if something happens, you have that knowledge of how to can your own food. Another thing from a preparedness standpoint, I wouldn't have to have as many store-bought canned goods in my house. I could can it myself. And I also like it from a, from a reducing your waste standpoint because when you are canning your own, tomato sauce, diced tomatoes, jams, jellies, condiments, vinegars, pickles, whatever it is that you use, if you are water bath canning that at home, you then get to recycle, not recycle, rephrase, you get to reuse the actual glass jar and the ring over and over and over and over until it breaks, which hopefully they don't. The only thing you recycle are the lids, unless you get reusable lids for canning, which I don't have at the moment and I don't use at the moment. I will be looking into them here soon, hopefully, so I can start maybe using the reusable ones instead of the little metal ones that you throw away after like one use or so. So when I got my, I knew I always wanted to can, especially water bath canning. My, I grew up around water bath canning. Like that's something that my mom did all the time. She canned her own tomato sauce and jellies. So I grew up around it, always wanted to do it for myself. But I, so I asked for a water bath canner for Christmas one year, but I was so scared and intimidated by water bath canning that I didn't touch it for probably two or three years. Like I just had the water bath canner in its box, unopened, shoved in the back of my kitchen cabinet somewhere. And then things started to turn around for me. I started listening to different podcasts and they're all into canning. And I thought that was amazing. So I got up the nerve to pull out my water bath canner that I'd asked for for Christmas, but never opened. And now I can, I think a bit, a lot more, I think, than the average person. I do a bit of canning. I think it's really worth the effort and it's really rewarding to have on the back end, not only from a zero waste standpoint, from a preparedness standpoint, but also from an eating better standpoint because it makes me want to garden. It makes me want to grow these fruits and vegetables outside. So I'm picking it fresh, bringing it inside and canning it immediately. I don't want to have to buy 30 pounds of freaking tomatoes to make tomato sauce with. I want to grow the 30 pounds of freaking tomatoes to make my tomato sauce with. 
So it motivates me to garden. It motivates me to get outside. It motivates me to preserve my own food without adding all the garbage BS that you don't need in your tomato sauce. You don't need all those preservatives, the big long words that you can't pronounce. You don't need that. Not for two seconds do you need that in there. They put it in there anyway. So I like that canning allows me to step away from the store-bought preservatives. It gives me the freedom and the control over what goes in my tomato sauce. I love that. And I love that it motivates me to garden because from a preparedness standpoint, gardening I also think is important. Not just from I can grow, I've got, I'm growing a ton of my own produce at the moment, but it's the skills, it's the knowledge, the know-how. I now know how to run a proper garden to produce enough food that I can can it myself. If there was an emergency situation and I decided I wanted to continue canning, I could do water bath canning over a fire. I'm sure I haven't done it before, but I'm sure I could. You just need to get the water boiling and keep it boiling long enough for things to cook the way that they need to cook. So I absolutely love canning for many, 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 many reasons. And I've got them all listed again here to go over, but I just went over them. I also think home canned foods. I also think that home canned foods can be amazing Christmas presents. I think it shows the hard work, the dedication, dedication, the commitment when you give someone home canned foods and hopefully they really appreciate it for the hard work that went into making that can of food that you are now giving them. So I think water bath canning is super versatile. It's really a lot simpler than you think. So I'm gonna walk you through really quick the start to finish, a broad overview of what water bath canning looks like. So this way it doesn't seem as scary before you get started. So water bath canning, you have this canner, which is essentially a big pot from Walmart with a fitting lid and a rack. You fill it up with water. You don't have to fill it up to the rim. What I would recommend is put in your sink to fill it up. While it's filling up, put your jars in. If they're quart jars, pint, half pint, whatever it is you're doing, put all your jars in, fill the canner up with the jars as the water is kind of dumping in there. And I fill it up enough so it just covers those empty jars. You don't want the jars in there with the lid and the rings. Take the lids and rings off, keep them separate, let the jars fill up with water. So now you've got a canner full of jars and water enough to just cover them. And you're gonna take that out of the sink, put it on the oven, turn whatever burner on it's sitting on, put the lid on of the canner, let it come up to a boil. This is gonna sanitize your jars. You might be thinking, well, I bought new jars. I don't need to sanitize them. Eh, wrong answer. You do need to sanitize them. Whether they're new, whether they're old, whether you washed them the last time you used them or not, because this sanitation process, not only is it helping get the canner up to the right temperature for your 
whatever it is that you're making in the water bath canner, but it's also getting out dust or maybe you left behind something in one of those jars that you didn't even realize was in there that could cause mold in the future. So you always want to sanitize your jars. Some people sanitize their jars in a dishwasher. I've never done that before. Look it up if that's something you're interested in. I just put them in the water because I need to bring the water up to a boil anyway. I let it boil with jars for 10 minutes. While that's happening, I am taking my lids and rings, putting them in a small saucepan, filling that up with water to cover all the rings and lids, letting that boil for 10 minutes as well. And while the 10 minutes is going or while both things are trying to heat up to a boil, that's when I will make whatever recipe I'm about to can. So if I'm doing a jam or a jelly, usually you put all the ingredients together and you let them cook down for 30 minutes or so. If you're doing a tomato sauce, depending on the recipe and the ingredients that you're using, you might need longer than that. So you may need to start your tomato sauce way in advance of getting your jars prepped. So that's something to look up. But essentially, while your lids, rings, and jars are sanitizing, prep whatever it is that you need to prep to get the jars ready. So you never want to have cold jars with warm whatever it is you're making to pack into those jars because you run the risk of the glass shattering, but you don't want it the other way around. We're using hot jars that have been sanitized and something cold you're taking out of the fridge to try to fill it with. You want them both to be hot, the jars and whatever it is that you're packing those jars with. So once it's been about 10 minutes of sanitizing the jars, lids and rings, in the canning aisle, you can also buy, they're like these tongs to pull jars out of boiling hot water. And essentially it's like a wand. To me, I call it like the wand. It's a magnet on a stick basically to pull the lid and ring out of the boiling hot water. You need both of those things as well as this canner. So when it's been about 10 minutes, you take the lid off of your canner, use these special tongs, take a, one of the jars out, dump the water out into the canner, put it down on your kitchen counter on something like a kitchen towel. I have a funnel that I also bought from the canning aisle. Put the funnel on the jar, take some type of ladle and dump whatever it is that you are packing into that jar, whether it's jam, jelly, tomatoes, condiments, the whole list I already went over. From there, once the jar is full, you do have to leave something called headspace. So what headspace does is it gives enough room inside the jar for the content to expand if they need to, to cook a little more if they need to. So they usually in the recipe will tell you how much headspace to leave. It's usually at least an inch from the top, which I've measured before how far down is an inch on most of your pint-sized mason jars. The top part where you screw the lid onto of the jar, that's about an inch. So you want to leave that empty. You don't want to fill all the way up to the tippy tippy top, leave an inch. So leave that, the treads where you put the ring on, leave that 
empty. Put nothing in there. Once you have it full, take the funnel out. Use that magnet on a stick to pull out a lid and a ring. Put the lid on. Screw down the ring as tight as it'll go. And you repeat that process for however many jars are left in your canner. Once all your jars are full, you then put them back into the canner. I had some issues with my quart jars with my water bath canner. So my quart jars, in order to get the water line all the way up to the top of the quart jars when they're full of water, and then I went to put the quart jars back in when they're full with lids on, I had a lot of extra water at the top. So I took one of my um, glass measuring cups that it takes about four cups of water and I kind of scooped some water out and dumped it out. So it was enough to cover the top of my quart jars again. But essentially you put your filled jars back in, put the lid on, let it get back up to a boil and then you follow the recipe from there if it says it needs to process for 10 minutes 15 20 whatever it is that you're cooking depending on whatever it is whatever size jar you're canning in as well and once the time is up you take the lid back off pull your jars out put them on the kitchen counter on a kitchen towel then throw a kitchen towel over them from there, it's a matter of just kind of cleaning up whatever it is that you have out and you let them sit for at least 24 hours. And after that, you can test the, to test the seal. What you do for that is if you take empty mason jars that you have not canned, you can press the top of the lid and there's like a little bubble and it'll make a popping noise when you press on it. If they've been properly canned and vacuum sealed that bubble is gone it doesn't stick up anymore and you when you press the center it doesn't really move either that means you've got a proper vacuum seal if you're unsure still you can take the ring off and try to pull the lid off with your hand and it should not come off i usually have to take like a spoon to kind of prop it and pry it off a little bit so that's another way you can test. Now, I wouldn't sit there with a spoon and pull each one off because then you're defeating the purpose of letting it vacuum seal. So water bath canning, really easy to use, especially when you're really easy to do, especially when you're following a recipe based on science. You will not get sick. It's very simple, can be fun, can be addictive. Water bath canning is a lower temperature than pressure canning, and it is for highly acidic foods, highly acidic only. So jams, jellies, tomatoes, condiments, sauces, pickles, salsa. I won't even say what it's not for. That's what it is for. Something I didn't mention before, you do need to adjust for your altitude. So if you are more than 2,000 feet above sea level, which I am, I need to add additional cook time to my water bath canning. Something to throw out there, that's easy to look up. It's easy to look up how high above sea level you are, and it's easy to look up how long you should add in processing time to your water bath canning. 
Not only is water bath canning easy to get started with, especially if you have a good recipe, it's like a, it's low tech. It's easy to get started with water bath canning, not super expensive for under $50. You could get press, you could get water bath canning between a flat of jars at Walmart and your $25 canner at Walmart. And maybe depending on if you have to buy something to put in the pressure canner or sorry, the water bath canner, it will be about 50 bucks or less to get yourself started with the canning. So it's something I'm super passionate about from a preparedness standpoint, from a taking back my health standpoint, from a reducing waste standpoint. It does so much for you and it makes your pantry look beautiful with all these home canned foods and makes great Christmas gifts. So hopefully you will get started with some water bath canning. I would love to see what it is you're doing or thinking about doing. So if you want to share it on the Facebook page or the Instagram page, that would be awesome to kind of see what everybody's projects are. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. Join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for more amazing content. And like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. I'm trying to post there a little more frequently. I feel like I go back and forth. Some weeks it's great. Other weeks it's not so great. We will have more great content later on this week. Please feel free to share this podcast with anybody that may need to hear it and stay tuned for the next episode.